Welcome to Sportin' Live. Introducing your host, Ed Draper. Hello there, welcome along to the podcast Sport and Life. Ed Draper here with you, sports broadcaster in the UK. Thank you for hitting on the button, always appreciate it. Hope you're well as we head into Christmas time. Weather gets cold, just had hail pounding a few moments ago on the uh, Velux window in my spare room come office. So it's definitely <laughs> definitely winter is, winter is upon us. Um, but thank you for being here. Thank you as well to the sponsors as ever, Bang Nollison of Cheltenham, and Serene AV, who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high-quality customer service and installations, have recorded, actually, at Bagnolofsson. A wonderful store in Montpellier in the heart of Cheltenham. Beautiful French district, as the name might suggest, or French-themed uh, district. I've uh, recorded a podcast with Michael Duff, the Cheltenham Town Manager. It's going to come out over Christmas as well, next 10 days or so, on his uh, I guess remarkable season to date. So Bang Olufsen, Cheltenham, been a big supporter of the podcast for over a year and a half now and uh, really appreciative of Jason Briggs and his team and recommend going to Bang Olufsen's Cheltenham's website, checking out their equipment. Um, and in fact, one of Michael's friends was uh, trying to haggle with Jason via the phone when we were down there to get get a speaker system set up. So that was that was a good good fun. But it's a beautiful store. If you can't get there, check out the website and uh, B&O underscore Cheltenham on social media. As well, thank you also to Cytoplan, food-based supplement company based not far from here, actually. Beautiful village of Hanley Swan in the run-up to Malvern in Worcestershire. Again, the sort of west of England. More importantly, in terms of health, they are purveyors of food-based supplements. And if you go to cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk, you can get, I believe, a 30% discount upfront, 10% thereafter in their association with the podcast. The code is DRAPER10R. So my last name D-R-A-P-E-R, the numerals 1-0, and the capital letter R. We've been taking the supplements for 20 plus years. A staple for me is the Immune Complete 2, which is the multivitamin for adult males. There's no iron in there, but it's uh, something that we've taken in different forms. It used to be called Foundation Formula. In fact, my wife still prefers the Foundation Formula multivitamin. She takes Foundation Formula 1, which still has iron in it. Uh, but our kids, my well, our kid, <laughs> my daughter, kids, I don't know where I got that from. We take, uh, or she takes kids Immunovite as well. So they're kind of holistic, one-stop multivitamins. But there's a whole range of supplements there. My father's been involved in the consultancy process there. My dad's a doctor, GP, micronutritionist, Dr. Mark Draper. He's a doctor in the in the Cotswolds here in the UK. You can find out more about Cytoplan's um, thesis around food-based supplements, what they are on the website, cytoplan.co.uk. And we still pay for the supplements, albeit at a discounted rate that we're sharing with you. So uh, hopefully, hopefully the best of health. And if you want to look at vitamin D3 specifically, anything um, specific in terms of, of health, vitamin C over this, the winter, vitamin C, you may call it, then they're worth checking out cytoplan.co.uk. Right onto the podcast. This is another man who's uh, been a big help to me uh, living in Cheltenham putting me in touch with people, getting me out to sporting events, uh, wonderful sports enthusiast, Chris Coley, uh, now a seasoned veteran 
into his 70s, but still very much part of sporting organisations. He's a, a racehorse owner with Fergal O'Brien, the local trainer to me in, in Cheltenham. He's uh, had some winners this year, which he's chuffed about. He's a former sports marketeer, but he's a big part of the community in Cheltenham. For 60 years, he's been part of the Gloucestershire Gypsies Cricket Club. He's the Honourable Secretary of the club now. And Chris Coley has uh, been overseeing the publication of a wonderful centenary book, 100 Not Out. They began in 1922, this club, nomadic club with no fixed clubhouse or home. They tend to wander, particularly Gloucestershire, the county. And uh, it's, a, it's a real nice piece of, of history documenting a lot of the um, written publishments from the from the club going back to 1922. And Chris, in this podcast, just articulates some of his fondest memories and how life's changed, how cricket's changed. You had to have um, multiple middle names was a, a sign of your your stock back in the day, 100 years ago. And, and, and certainly in terms of the conversation around meritocracy, equality that we're having in uh, passionate circles and passionate themes around society at the moment. Interesting to think that you really had to have, have gone to a public school in those days. And Chris, although he's very, very modest, had that background going to Cheltenham College, but his parents were from more working class stock, had run a pub and had got him that opportunity. So it just shows you how the world has changed where it was more of a closed shop in uh, lots of walks of life. But it's a fascinating document and shows the closeness of of the professional game the leading lights with clubs at grassroots levels like Gloucestershire Gypsies back in the day because they're England captains there in, in wonderful photos letters to the club they came to social events and the cricket club was a big part of people's social life we talk about that and how that's maybe changed so here he is the one and only Chris Coley hello Chris Coley welcome to the podcast good to see you um you're a lot more mobile and sprightly than me, me at the time of recording. But uh, um, how, how's life? Life's okay. It goes on. We sort of uh, keep having a few winners on the racing side, so that uh, keeps me going anyway. So yeah. the dream's alive. Well, I'm going to hopefully be joining you at Cheltenham Races New Year's Day to celebrate the cricket book as well. 100 years of the Gloucester Gypsies, 100 years not out. We, I've been looking at the book today. It's, it's brilliant, isn't it? A real story in not only cricket history, but human history, yeah. England, British history. Social history, really, of, of, it, of England, to be honest, when you look back on it. And yet, New Year's Day, well, we have, we're launching our centenary year at the race course. It's an opportune moment to have a bit of a party and uh, have a bit of fun. But at the same time, I'm hoping to promote, I say, launch the book, to be honest, as well, that I've uh, written in my spare time of late. What would you describe the Gloucester Gypsies, Gloucestershire Gypsies, as? Um, it's a kind of nomadic club without without a home, but but still very one that, that is a is a sort of spiritual home to a lot of people, seemingly. Yeah, it's well going right back in time when we did first start a hundred years ago, just after the First World War. Most counties started to have their own amateur cricket teams based mm. very much on in Gloucestershire's case, in regions, just as the county cricket club itself was run. So um, it became, I think then, the, the fashionable thing to do. Very much linked, though, to the public school system and military side of things. So it was all pretty pucker and pretty posh. And if you look <laughs> back in our early days at who our presidents were, you'd be quite impressed with the landed gentry that were there. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a meritocratic system. You had to be a, of of stock to to be a high flyer in the in the cricket scene. Yeah, and one of our first minutes, I've got. Well, I had the minute book. I've reproduced it in in this book I've done. Mm. 
I think it was number two, other than saying you had to either live in Gloucestershire or go to school in Gloucestershire, the second item there was you had to be able to hold your own at the average country house party. <laughs> now, you can laugh there yourself, but a country house party, what's an average country house party? It might depend on the size of the house, the ballroom or yeah. the billiard room. I have no idea. But the average country house party, you had to be able to hold your own. Was that about how many cocktails you could drink or how good at oratory you were? Uh, was I think it definition? was more perhaps where you've been brought up, Yeah. which school you certainly went to in those days. So etiquette uh, of... Very much so. And indeed such trivia as how many initials you had really? that certainly helped and if you look through the early entries in the book you were certainly becoming a memory if you've got three or more but uh, even in my time i'm jumping right ahead to the 60s i went to a meeting once i can remember somebody called john edmonds who was a very good cricketer played for cheltenham he'd got one initial j edmonds and the dear old chairman at the time a dear old man called holly <laughs> one initial surely not so but the initials was based on how many middle names you had then, was it? Or well, I think it was just posh to have lots of middle names. But if you were a working class person who had four names... you But you didn't, say, no. I don't think. If we look back, ah. I wouldn't like to argue with you, but I don't think they did. Yeah. If you had two, it was quite something. Yeah, one of my brothers has got two middle names, so he'd probably be uh, highly regarded. He'd be all right now, but we're going back 100 years. And yeah. I think if you look back 100 years, um, yeah, the landed gentry, it was the thing to do, to have plenty of initials. And holding yourself at, at sort of country dinner would include sort of things like how you held your cutlery and oh yeah, and how you, and certainly how you dressed, your manners, mm. and um, yeah, many of the games in the early days were two-day games at big country estates, and it must have involved overnight a, a private dinner party mm. in the house, and the butler would there have been serving, and I'm sure. Yeah, it would have been, if not black tie, it would have been certainly very sophisticated. Yes. There's a big time give, amount of time given to playing for the Gypsies, wasn't there? So I suppose in a sense that played into the hands of people who were landed gentry who perhaps had more of that at their disposal than a, than a working class person. Yes, and again, many of the games in those early days particularly took place in the summer holidays of the schools. Mm. Public school masters were very much involved in this sort of thing. In fact, the very good cricketers would have been schoolmasters in those days and they'd have also played county cricket. Yeah. And in those days there were the amateurs and the professionals. So would have been the gypsies would have been a comparable standard to the, the counties, in a sense? Uh, no, not a comparable standard to the first class county, but quite a lot of these amateur cricketers, and certainly some from our early days, would have also played for Gloucestershire. Mm. Because we would have had professional cricketers, wouldn't we, in the wider oh, yeah. game? In, in oh, oh indeed, indeed. But there were also amateurs as well, hmm. gentlemen and players. And it was about 1960, I think, somewhere around then. There was an annual fixture at Lords. Went on for years and years. The amateurs played the professionals. Yeah, and was it almost a 50-50 split? Do you reckon a hundred years ago between amateurs and, and professionals? Uh, it'd probably be more amateur than professionals, to be really? quite honest. Yeah. In the game as a whole? In the game as a whole, yeah. W.G. Grace, and the Grace family mm. is very much linked to us as gypsies coming from Thornbury, down mm. near Bristol. Ah. Yeah, no, they, he, there would have been, yeah, he would have been the forerunner, really. He, this would have been after his time, would it, 1922? Yeah, after his time, indeed, but his brothers are one of some of our original uh, members. Really? Yeah, yeah, not W.G. himself, but E.M. Grace is here in the book. And he was a gentleman? 
Uh, very much a gentleman. Yeah, mm. indeed. Yep. We were talking about some of the tours that they would have gone on in the 19th century to Australia and just how, how much time of your life you'd give away there. Sort of well, the, like the, the professionals would have done, certainly, yeah. We amateurs didn't start touring till sort of uh, perhaps the 70s and 80s. Well, we've talked, obviously we've been friends and talked privately about, about your upbringing. How do you feel about that world looking back and the, the aristocracies involved? So obviously you, I suppose, hurdled two worlds, didn't or straddled two worlds, because you came from a, you know, a family that ran a pub up the road from, from here, and then you went to Chelton College through yeah, know, I was privileged. I was, yeah, Ed, I was privileged. I was sent to public school. Heaven knows how my parents afforded mm. the fees, but I was. And having gone to public school, and I suppose having three initials, it helped for me to become a member. Because of all the masters who were members and ran many of the games, as soon as I got to school, 13, 14, I was being asked to play in the in the many matches during the school's holidays. So, um, yeah. So no one asked you about your background and your parents owning a No, I, I was okay. I was okay. I went to Cheltenham College at the meeting. Yeah. It would have been said, where did he go to school? That's that's as far as it goes back. Cheltenham College would have seen me in, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. So you realise even in your era, in the 60s or before the 50s, how significant it was for your parents to be able to get you into that, that stratosphere? Yeah, I was just, I suppose I was very lucky. And as I say, as luck would have it, I used to go down to watch the festival every year in my school holidays, being a cricket fanatic. And I kept dropping the sort of hints, I think, how I'd love to go to school at Cheltenham College. But um, as I say, I have no idea how they ever afforded to send me there. <laughs> and the Gypsies have played quite a lot of the Cheltenham uh, Yeah, boys, Yeah, boys many of our out. members are ex-Cheltonians as well, obviously. We annually play a game there still now, and that's on speech day, so it's mm. quite an important day in the calendar. But if you look back at our first fixture list in 1922, there we are, Cheltenham College is one of our original fixtures. It's a brilliant note actually from the 1930s in there, isn't there, saying about um, how you, there wasn't space in you for, for the calendar for a couple of games and how there was still a tab at the the refreshment stand or something. Yeah, that had there's, to be a letter, there's a letter there from the college bursar to the gypsies, very, well, not quite so politely in the end, saying yeah. money was owed at the college tuck shop from the previous year's match by some of our members. And unless it was paid up by the club, we would not be welcome there the next year for a fixture. No, and <laughs> yeah, I've, in, in my archives, say my archives, they've been passed down to me by the various secretaries over the years, and there haven't been that many. And I just happen to have some of this material, which has been quite fun to sort through. And here we are in print with that, that sort of letter. Even you yourself have noticed that particularly and thought mm. that's a bit, a bit out of the ordinary, Wait, so but it makes could, you laugh. Yeah, can you pay, can you pay up, pay up forthwith to, to save any unpleasantness? I think yeah, was yeah the absolutely. Word. Yeah. Which is it's interesting how people phrase things and, and looking back. And it's it, the, the comparison in the modern age is that we feel that we've got this you know, instant communication through the internet and mobile phones. And yet you think about how complicated it must have been to organise this diaspora of, of gypsies players in those days. That presumably it was done in the 1920s and 30s just through letters. Or through letters. And, and here I am looking at the book, looking at one or two of those letters at this very moment. Yeah, that was how you did communicate. And lovely old script goes yeah. along with that. Yeah, good that as well. handwriting, yeah. Yeah, but... Um, and you, you just assumed that people would be there as well. You had to trust, didn't you, I suppose? There was no way of contacting them yeah, in the morning if they didn't show up or whatever. But even in my time, and that's not going back quite to 1922, 
if you said you were going to play somewhere, you committed yourself. You didn't have a mobile phone ringing to give you a better offer or <laughs> want a party here or something. No, you, you got a diary and you, and you were committed and you jolly well turned up. And if you didn't, you weren't asked to play again. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Not quite like that anymore, is it? Well, you get a text message at 5 to 11 saying, oh, sorry, I've oh, exactly. traffic or something. Yeah. yeah, that drives me mad and old fart that I am. But um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Somehow you have to learn to live with that. People had to be more organised in a sense, did they? And sort of make travel plans in advance. Yeah, you did. Things, you didn't yeah. have a sat-nav to find the ground either, did you? No. No way. No, right. you, you were organised. And we're all the better for being organised. But mm. the modern generation wouldn't even understand what we're talking about, would they? No. No, but it's interesting. Pre-sat-nav, I started driving, but we had the internet just about, and we had the AA route finder, and I used to print the papers out with the directions on which was a bit naughty but you'd stop and have a read and then you'd go on to the next thing yeah. and have a map with you in a to z too yeah um, but previously yeah my dad would have done it through through a to z but then you have to get instructions from the people when you get closer to the ground because obviously an a to z is not yeah and, and, to and if you hadn't done your proper homework you'd have to find a red telephone box wouldn't you and put some yeah. coins in the slot and ring somebody up in a panic you yeah. just tried to avoid that yeah i still remember that when we were sort of teenagers meeting friends you'd ring them up and meet and arrange to meet and things yeah. like that. yeah often meet by phone boxes, so if someone was dragging their heels, you could give them a ring. So. Yeah, what's a phone box? <laughs> yeah, well, there's not, not many around, are there now? No. I've got defibrillators in some of them, I think. Indeed, yeah. Which is, uh, which is, which is good. What do you think about, when, when you look back, the dedication, what did it give people, the, the gypsies? Because you didn't have this fixed <laughs> ground. Was it sort of family, a second family for people, do you feel? A social outlet people talk about now, about la communities lacking connection? No, it was, it was social, cer certainly, but we're not the same as being a normal weekend, Saturday afternoon cricket club, where you have your members who play regularly every week. Mm. We have always been nomadic. We've always had a, a member pays a life sub, a one-off life sub subscription, so that means they're there on the list. But um, many of them sign up as members even now and disappear to uni, then to London, whatever and probably never play again after playing a couple of games to qualify. But do, so you, do you have to play in Gloucestershire? Is that the condition of it? No, it, the rules state still that you should have been a resident of Gloucestershire or at school in Gloucestershire. That is still number one priority, but mm. rules are still there to be bent a little bit, perhaps <laughs> at times. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just how it is. And in the er early days, it was great fun and very social but it's it's not quite the same these days we've opened our doors to how can i put it more outsiders more outsiders uh, and certainly we do not ask at any meetings now what school did he go to or how many initials has he got <laughs> yeah that's it what, what what is the background of main sort of recreational cricketers now do you feel it is it's public school still or is it a whole mix where's, where's first class cricket now if you went through most of the counties in fact all of them you would find, and there'd be some facts I'm sure we could get from Lords, a heck of a lot of those cricketers have come via the public school system. That's the professional game? In the professional game, yeah. Mm. And those kids that went to public school, those very good cricketers, could well have been on scholarships and bursaries. Certain schools, particularly around, around the country now, have their own academies linked to counties. Mm. Counties, yes, have their own academies, but many of those involved now at that age group have come via the public school. They might well have gone in there as for their last two years for A-levels. So that, is that reflected in the Gypsies membership as well? 
No, we're probably getting a bit off the tangent now. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's not really now. No. It's first just, class just cricket. Just interested how much no. cricket gets played in state schools. How much oh, very hardly. Hardly, yeah. hardly any. Yeah. We still play ourselves. So Tommy Rich is in, in Gloucester and Pates Grammar School here. Mm. Uh, but both, it's very difficult for those schools to actually maintain a full cricket programme and have a cricket pitch even, have a groundsman. Mm. And you're just, off from July to September, which yeah, makes it difficult. Yeah. So very, very few state schools play cricket. Mm. And how many people have been Gloucestershire Gypsy members down the years? That's uh, an impossible question, but I, I, I don't, I'll have a stab at it because I've got two lists I keep at home. One of active playing members, of which there are over 300, but how many of those well, are regularly active is another matter because they're still on my list. Yeah. Many of those still wouldn't play. They might have gone away and I don't even know about it, despite trying to catch up with them. And on my non-playing list, I've got certainly another 300, 350. Wow. Um, and then that leaves many, many others that over the years have disappeared. But if you look back through, I carry with me for tonight. In fact, tomorrow night we have our manager's annual meeting. Mm. Uh, and the book I've got there logs from 1922 as people became members. Wow. And um, there's crossings out as people have passed on along the way. But uh, yeah, and fascinating too, we've got lists of those members with their addresses in in the early days hmm. and sometimes with their telephone numbers we were talking about telephones just then and you've got constant all winds two for instance <laughs> or Miserden four wow uh, written there in front of us so yeah there wasn't many people with phones so if you had one there was yeah not many that's numbers, going yeah. back a hundred years ago obviously they'd just come in amazing yeah yeah you probably have your neighbors coming around to try and use it and things yeah like that. but in terms of those 300 play members at the moment how is it orchestrated in terms of when you have a fixture who plays in the fixture we have 50 fixtures even a bit more and each fixture has a match manager that i as secretary sort out get a manager to run the game and he is responsible for getting the team mm. and out of all those members he's been sent a list of our playing members with their contact numbers, emails. It's his job to get the team. I hate it when the managers come on to me at three days notice saying, last week I had 15, I've now only got eight. <laughs> if anybody else rings me up and tells me that, I should get even more cross because that's what's becoming more of the norm. It's not so easy. Um, but yeah, it's his responsibility. He has to get an umpire. He has to get a score and he has to get 11 players and perhaps it's more difficult than I'm making it sound. Does he have to let people down then if he's got 15 or do you just have 15 people? Oh, he's telling me that manager he's got 15. He's never yeah. got them really tied up at all. No. He says, I had 15. How these days do you confirm? Text In an odd text or something or other? That's yeah. not a final confirmation. He's never had 15 properly. Yeah. Well, would you let 15 people show up or does it have to be no just... Way, cause no way, because he's never got those people tied no. up. No way. He's, but, all, but never, would, you turn people would you turn people down and say, all right, we've already got the I, I'm not sure if any manager has ever been in the position of turning <laughs> down. He might turn down the odd person. He might not get on too well with him or something or had a bit of a background yeah. But you never history. say, we've got our numbers, don't come. We'd, we'd just, no, no, no. We'd, we'd, never, we'd love to, to be down. in that position, thank yeah. you, and be a bit more selective. But actually, the games vary in, in, in degree and, and the oppositions obviously vary. So the secret is to get the right manager to run the right game so that he gets the equivalent 
roughly the equivalent sort of side to to marry up because you don't you don't want eleven good young cricketers playing against eleven old men on another side. So no. part of my job is getting the right manager. So you have to, to look at the other, the other right team, team as well, do you? And think no, no, we just no. liaise with the other team, but uh, yeah, we we know that normally the strength of the opposition so there's no point there's no point being mismatched no and again in in the ideal from my point of view is that you all have a good game everybody gets a bat or a bowl or even sometimes both but you don't want one or two people to hog the game and mm. if you can also we're not playing a limited overs game albeit we do occasionally now it's an all-day game with a nice lunch a nice tea and a draw is there for the taking if you so wish but the modern young cricketer doesn't know what it's like to have a draw and no. uh, I'd feel even better of the skipper if he can get it to the last ball of the game with all three results possible I mean, that yeah. really would be magic and <laughs> it it's something we try to instill in young guys these days to understand it's not easy because they're all brought up on crash bang wallop limited overs cricket so how many overs do you play in a day we play should be certainly 100 mm. but we don't set out with a number of overs you play from 11:30 normally with 20 overs at six o'clock and you stop for lunch you stop for tea yeah <laughs> and there's a declaration but what's a declaration some young chaps wouldn't understand what a declaration is they never played in a game of cricket with a declaration you have to evaluate what's a good score and how much time you have left in the game to, yeah to exactly win the game. Yeah, yeah exactly and that's a skill in itself mm. But how do you educate somebody in that? So how very often difficult. Is, how often is the 11 changing every week substantially then that you have? Oh, very much. From day to day, we could have a game one day with 11 players, manager running it. The next day, a different manager, different 11. Yeah, mm. it, would, it would be. Do you think cricket's easier to orchestrate that way in the gypsies ethos than it would be you a big rugby man, rugby, because you, you need more of an understanding between players, they're more interconnected maybe than cricket where you've got it, your individual yeah, role? Yeah, this is just the way, the way we our fixtures, our history really, the, yeah. with the gypsies, it's having that well huge number of potential players. It's not the same as having 25 players on your list for a, a normal rugby club, normal cricket club. Yeah, I'm just thinking you could drop people in individually in cricket a little bit more easily as long as they've got an understanding of how to communicate at the the, the wicket with, their, with the other batsmen and things like that. It's, and then maybe only in fielding does the lack of regularity is a big problem in terms of communication well yes no wait sorry that's what i call my horse racing syndicate <laughs> that's no communication at all when you're batting together no. <laughs> having a muddle in the middle of no. the middle of the wicket you know what i mean though yeah i do different 11 every week or different yeah. football or different 15 yeah. in rugby every week would be difficult to coordinate yeah but cricket's more it's an individual game within the team yeah as opposed to the other two major sports you're talking about mm. it is that much different what is the age profile like? They've got a real mix of people. They've got a real mix from, uh, yeah, 13-year-old, 14-year-olds. Our oldest member played this year was a guy called John Belfield, who was 80. Wow. And you've played up until recently, haven't you? Yeah, I didn't play this year. I did play last year. And, mm. um, By the stunts? I'm a, I did keep wicket, yeah. So this is the first yeah. year. Now, I've missed. It could mean that might be it, perhaps. No, but, no. You say. <laughs> yeah. I've seen pictures of you playing at Lords, though, and you're saying your eyesight's better now than. It oh, was, my eyes, was yeah, it my manager. eyesight is better, having had some special surgery. But <laughs> that's a bit late for seeing fast bowling at 100 miles an hour coming down at me and being able to adapt quicker. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. It's that. That's our strength, really. We can 
the age we can bridge these age gaps and uh, it's all part of the fun how much is the sport the goal for people who contribute and play or is it how much is the social side of it do you feel is it is it 50 nothing like it used to be ed the social side in cricket be it saturday afternoons as well in fact all sport you used to have a beer with the opposition didn't you in the clubhouse mm. and it was all part of the game in my time yeah. playing seriously at all major sports it was part of the part of the deal chip, that's what, yeah, you, you, that's what you did chip, chip yeah and things like that oh yeah. yeah you had something to eat and uh, and you mingled with the opposition mm. cricket more than any other sport i'd say too but nowadays no it, it's just disappeared mm. i was going to say disappearing no it's disappeared because people travel whatever distance these days they've got better things to do to go to the pub to party in the evening it's it's just mm. from normal club cricket very little socializing with oppositions we try to encourage it and i struggle there are certain times when i've been with some guys at up at Stoll Park where we play a lot of our games and I'm saying you are going to stay for a drink after the game aren't you <laughs> yes and in my old-fashioned schoolmasterly manner one or two to give me a funny look and still disappear or one or two take the hint and join us for a drink well that again is to me is still part of the game sadly it's it's no longer there like it used to be why do you think that's changed in life society? has changed life has changed go back to our mobile phones and mm. everything else that's going Busy, on people are busier or think yes. they're busier or... yeah indeed and domestic situations mm. are so much so different now the good lady of the house yeah wants to do what she wants to do in in my early days they came along and made the teas and <laughs> it's lovely homemade scones for tea well none of that sort of thing Nowadays, life does change. And, and would the kids come to the games as well, would they? The, the oh, in, children? in the old days, yeah, yeah. They'd be there with a bat and ball on the boundary. But these days, it's, it's just, it's a different world we live in. And, yeah. and it's no use me moaning and groaning. You no, will well, call me an of... old fart again if I do continue to do so. We have to accept it. There's a lot of people with kids who now spend most of Saturday taking their kids to different clubs and groups. Absolutely. And, like that, yeah. and that, what they, they weren't around in, in, in my time of playing sports no, seriously. Swimming no, swimming and yeah, everything, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. That's interesting. And do you, if you've got female players, female members? Gypsies, no. We, ha we haven't. I suspect it will come. But in the neighbourhood round here, one or two clubs do have ladies' sides. Mm. Um, yeah, we, we haven't. And Is there an interest in it if you had inquiries? No. No, we haven't. In fact, you're probably the first person to ask me the question. It's put me on the spot a little bit. Oh, just curious. No, just curious, no, curious or not. Yeah. No, we have to accept the fact again all around us. Of, you know, other major sports, cricket in itself with Western Storm here in Gloucestershire. And, um, yeah, but if, you've, if you're struggling for a demand from young boys, is, is whether there's a demand from young girls as well. Yeah. It's, it's probably unlikely, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, historically. Historically, yeah. So we're waiting, I think, for the first young lady to play for us. Certainly, there was one in opposition last year against us. Mm. Um, times are changing. So they played, they played in a men's team. They can play mixed. Yeah, yeah. Occasionally, the girls do. Mm. Yeah, and in club cricket round here, it's still going on now. Ah. Yeah, it's interesting. What's the th when you look at the book? What are the things that really struck you that that kind of made you think about the the history of it? Um. The social side, I think, to be honest, going back in the 50s when there were dinners and... Stay over in away games, weren't there? Sort oh, two-day matches, you yeah. had your parties, but some of the 
There's a page here I've just flicked open, toast lists at dinners and some very famous names in cricketing world. Mm. Neville Cardus, O'Leary, Constantine, Wally Hammond. Yeah. Those names in their day were as big as Ben Stokes now, if not bigger. You've got a note from Colin Cowdery as well. Colin Cowdery here, yes, speaking at one of the dinners. Peter May I see there. That's another one, a beautiful picture of... When was that? 1957, mm. Peter May, guest speaker. Same year, England were playing the West Indies, I remember, at, wow. at uh, Edge Boston. In fact, the first, 57, yeah, the first year I went and saw a day of a test match when Peter May would have been playing. So you feel that the, the pros were more closely connected with, with sort of grassroots cricket at that time, maybe? Um, more willing to come and more time? They, they, had, more they time. had more time and they were probably not even asking a fee, to mm. be honest, in those days. Yeah. What it'd be like now to get a... A celebrity guest. Ben Stokes or someone. Oh, name your noughts after. Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't be enough to be significant though, would it? I don't no, think compared to a, what they've no, got not, in a way, you'd think they'd be point. Not at all. Yeah. No. And so what do you think the, the, the cricket, this, this concept of time seems to be that people are willing to give less time and that perhaps that's what we see in this so-called preference for, for 2020 cricket or that's what we're told anyway, isn't it? There's more preference for that and even the 100, which is less than the... Oh, less than 20 is, overs. It's, it's definitely time. Definitely. Mm. For, for players well, and for spectators. Mm. The 100 you mentioned, yep. People coming in after work to watch. Yep. All ages. It's, um, yeah, and it's moving with it. Just moving with the time. We've got to do it. But that's the strength of cricket in a way, isn't it? I feel that it's almost an antidote to modern life in a sense, rather than trying to replicate the busyness of modern life with a crash bang wallop, as you say. It's quite nice to have that um, that kind of up and down and the, the sort of the, the day of reflection in the field, this nice sunny afternoon, lunch with the opposition, a bit of tea. Yeah, it is, but long may that last, but it becomes more and more of a struggle. Mm. So what do you envisage the gypsies doing sort of 2020? style yeah, cricket. we have and believe you me with our centenary year coming up this year mm. one of our bright young sparks said to me why don't we have a couple of uh, hundred games yeah and i thought yeah that sounds quite a good <laughs> idea and so we've already got down on the picture list a, cu a couple of hundred games yeah followed by uh, a social evening at a club because there are still these seven clubs that we played a hundred years ago, and we've now been in touch with each of those. Oh, brilliant. And we are going to have, be it wine and cheese or a barbecue or something afterwards, mm. and um, make a special occasion of it. And in, in a couple of them, we're going to play a hundred games. Brilliant. And are you going to go back to Cheltenham College next year, 2022? We are, yes, we are. And indeed, Cheltenham Cricket Club as well. That's another one of our first games we played a hundred years ago yeah oh fantastic so we're going to have a social evening there yeah and people presumably can get in contact with Gloucester Gypsies now can they reach out they can do officially you have to be proposed as a member and seconded by a, <laughs> by a member officially but um, do you take novices or do you have to d d display a sort we, of action yeah we'd, lo we'd like to have a vague idea of how you perform on the cricket field are you opting yourself forward here? I've only ever played I think house cricket at state well, school that so sounds really, good enough yeah, well I don't, I'm not sure about that and you're, you're an athlete I know anyway so uh, I've got plenty of ball sense you're bound to be okay at cricket so yeah well I think it, you like, it's interesting forth it's interesting that kind of that sense of you said of people having not having time, but maybe that's why cricket is attractive. You, you devote an amount of time and you're not checking your phone and racing around to various appointments on a weekend. Yeah. There's a page here. Look, I'm just looking at 
first-class cricketers who have also represented the Gloucester Gypsies. Got plenty, plenty of names, 50, 60 names there. Mm. Just highlighted a few pictures. Mark Elaine there. Richard Ellison, who took Any? 100 test wickets. Uh, Any recently? What's the uh, recently? Not so many recently. There's a young guy here called Henry Cooper who got a double hundred last week for Northern Districts. He's a New Zealander. Yeah. No, not yeah. the boxer. Uh, for Northern Districts in New Zealand. He came and played for us for a couple of years when he was over here, oh, making a big name for himself as a young player in New Zealand at this very minute. Yeah. Jack Russell here. Fantastic. Yeah. Former England wicketkeeper. Yeah, you know him. An artist. I didn't realise he was an artist. Yeah, there's a picture your, uh, of him as an paintings. artist. He's He's painting there. He's just starting to paint that scene mm. uh, by the side of this lake and just over the far side there, and you can't see them, are some elephants. Oh, and I have at home the original painting. Yes. I took him with Audrey to find these elephants on an English tour of Zimbabwe. First time he'd seen elephants. And I then, when we got back, bought the original. And then from that, of the... the picture of the lake with the elephants the other side one of the elephants stood out and is one of his most well-known paintings uh, which also hangs in my living room at home mm. he's a brilliant artist I hadn't realized no actually. there he is yeah so uh, a real mix yeah he played as a young guy mm. for the gypsies born yeah. in Stroud qualifies and did you know that he was going to go on to stardom with England? oh he he, he, he was an exceptional Cricketer as a young age, wicketkeeper, yeah, he'd got real good ball sense and lovely soft hands. And mm. um, yeah, so there he is again now. Oh, it's it's, it's yeah. a special, it's a spe special history. You've been on some tours as well. Do you still go on tours? Because you, as one of you in, <coughs> is it Thailand in there as well? Thailand, we did Thailand for 15 years, six aside tournament, yep. Um, there's a section on here in the book on the various tournaments over there which we won on three or four occasions we did go there to play cricket many people i know <laughs> suspect that uh, no they don't play cricket in thailand but the book will prove that they do and yeah. it'll show us winning trophies over there um never been to india presumably that's a big i've not been with the gypsies i have been with another club called romania went to india and mm. remember kerala particularly with all the waterways the canals around there but that's a religion no, isn't it cricket yeah, in, in india in india yeah but uh, I've got some way out places like Switzerland here we went to and played on the ice. Really? Uh, Morocco, of all places. The Rockies, we toured. And they had well, local teams in these places. Well, yeah, they have uh, in Canada quite a lot of cricket. Mm. And started at Calgary and drove our way all through the Rockies, stopping off to play cricket till we got down to Vancouver. Yeah, we've had, we've had some wonderful times. South Africa. Wow. On two occasions, and Zimbabwe, probably the best of all. We actually went round the whole country staying in game lodges, and the mm. game lodges were, well, certainly very much owned by the Whittle and Streak families, both big names in Zimbabwe cricket in the good old days. And we stayed with them and played cricket as we toured the whole country. That was a very special trip. How much time would you give to those? Is that sort of two, three week affair? That was, yeah, that was 18 days, the Zimbabwe trip, yeah. Mm. Magic. Saw so elephants, saw the big five, as well as playing cricket. Yeah. Um, we haven't done that for a while. That was sort of 1995. Mm. Um, a lot of these, I suppose, were organised by my good self, and it needs somebody to... Well, how long have you been there, then, to the Gloucestershire Gypsies? How long has your... I, I became a member when I was at school, 1961. Oh. And, and a fascinating bit of a book I... I, I 
took a photo of this the book that logs everybody's names there's my name down here with at the bottom with plenty of an addresses crossed out so if I no fixed <laughs> abode in those early days but no two matter. names above me yeah. is J.M. Cleese okay rector it says here rector of St Andrews University and that is the same comedian gentleman that you've just mentioned that is John Cleese really the... who is a member and I found then the scorecard when he once took six for 50 in an innings. Was he a fast bowler, was he? No, he was a spin bowler. Was he? Because he's about six, six, five, is he? Yeah, he was tall, apparently. I never played with him, but he's no. two above me in the C's in the list of members here. Wow. So it was steeped as part of the culture, wasn't it? But he was a Cambridge graduate as well, wasn't he? So he, he was yeah, he was a bright cookie, yeah. 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 Through that kind of academic... But how is he rector of St Andrews? I'm not quite sure. Did he go to St Andrews, perhaps? I don't know. He'd have been quite young better in 1960, We'd better go and look him up, I think. Monty Python was big in the yeah. 70s, so yeah. he's yeah. Quite, young, quite young at that yeah. point. Oh, that's brilliant, isn't it, in terms of the history of it? The history, yeah. And just the way that you say that the life, has, life has changed. Yeah, I, th I hope that people, by flicking through this, reading it, will, will, will realise that. Yeah. And it'll bring back memories and... Uh, will remind them very much how life think, has changed. Do you think we waste time in an organisation now? Do you think that you said about text messages not being a guarantee that someone's going to show up? Do you feel that we end up sending more messages than they would have done in those days? Or would have, you know, you would have, if you're going to telegram someone or, or write them a letter, you're going to be pretty sure about committing to what you've yeah, said. Because that's what everybody did. And that's how they understood it. Yeah. And unless you went along with it, yeah, you weren't involved. So You, you organise a tour to Cornwall. They've got to guarantee they're going to be so there and you they're going to be up, there it? show up but people did it's 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 these days that suddenly there are question marks yeah no it is funny that isn't it you always feel now i think you need to check before something happens whether it's still going on even if you've made an agreement a week before it's, it's an interesting one yeah that's life though ed isn't it yeah but it adds a layer of complexity it actually makes it more difficult than it. yeah yeah in a sense it's certainly been more difficult for me as secretary yeah De definitely but um mm. I mustn't moan too much about it. Make the most of it. 60 year anniversary for you then. So you'll be 61 years yeah. next year in the yeah, 100th well, yeah. anniversary. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure if there are too many before me, but there will be certainly some on my non-playing list that were members before my time. Yeah, bound to have been. Are you looking for an heir apparent to take on the reins from you at some point? If you I am definitely looking for an heir apparent. <laughs> how, how apparent they are. And I think this is probably... With all of sport and clubs, mm. it's it's just all around us. It's not just cricket, but mm. yeah, it's passion, isn't it? It's passion. It keeps you going. And once certain individuals disappear, there don't seem to be the successors coming along. And mm. in cricket, you need groundsmen as well as you need administrators. Yeah, I don't think we value social life and sport as much as maybe we should do in terms of our well-being. I don't know whether you thought that, that actually it gives you something to be part of a team, to be part of a community. Part of a team, yeah. I, I think I was chatting to somebody yesterday about why hadn't I played golf, and I just happened to say, having been put off my by my dad, who was a scratch golfer, and I used to enjoy spiting him a bit to say <laughs> I preferred cricket and rugby and football to golf. But um, yeah, golf is not a team game, and no, it can be social, a, can't it? If you get in a bad mood, social, off a bad drive, yeah, and and you, you can't talk to people. No, but. <laughs> Just being part of a team and a mixture of all sorts of backgrounds. When I think of some of my teams, my when I played, how can I put it, seriously? Mm. Yeah, there were, there were a real mixed bunch of 
individuals. And that's done me no harm whatsoever, I'm sure. Good training for life to mix Abs- different people. Absolutely, and, and being captain quite a bit, I suppose, that just making sure how people tick along and encouraging them in the right way. Yeah. Well, credit for you for putting the time in. I think it is really important. Someone has to, to do it to keep these things alive. And you've produced a fantastic book. How do people get hold of the book? They get hold of the book by, uh, we've got something going out on social media this very day, if the good lady secretary is uh, geared up <laughs> to do so. Yeah. No names mentioned. but um, <laughs> And then we shall be selling on New Year's Day as well. Uh, we need to sell quite a few to make sure we fund the book. So uh, that's, I've got a... You've outlaid money of you for it. Uh, yes, that's a nice way of putting it, Ed. I've out- yeah. outlaid quite a lot of money and time in <laughs> okay. doing it, but I've enjoyed it. And uh, it would be nice to think it's well received. So somehow or other between us, we've got to make sure that the world knows about it. And certainly the Gloucestershire Gypsy world knows about it. And uh, hopefully they, they'll invest their £20 wisely. What was the lifetime subs in 1922 and what is it now? How's oh, here we are. One guinea. One guinea. guinea. I don't even know what a guinea is. Guinea. One pound and one shilling. Ah, okay. One guinea. Yeah. Yeah. And a shilling was 12p? Was 12p. It? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. D. Old D. Old pence. Ah. Okay. P. New pence. Whenever so it wasn't that was. It wasn't 100 pence in a pound, was it? It was 200. 12 pence in a shilling. Yeah. And then 20 shillings in a pound. Okay. So, yeah. In my youth. Yeah. Before your time. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there we are. We've got somebody's uh, registration here for one guinea. And what is it now? It's a life membership of £40. One pound in a guinea is probably more expensive than the £40 now, is it? What do you think? Probably is, I think, actually. Think about what you could get bang for your buck in 1922, I don't know. Yeah, we don't have an annual sub, which in some ways actually might even work against us because it does mean you lose... So many of these people who've paid their yeah. their life sub, mm. uh, not to see them again. But um, yeah. Well, Chris, look forward to being there New Year's Day and hope you're selling some books as well. In, in the Thank meantime, good Christmas present for, for cricket fans and just people interested in social history. Thank you. Really enjoyed that and really enjoyed leafing through the book as well. Gloucestershire Gypsies 100, not out. Just been on their website as well if you want to go there and find out more about the club. Uh, G-O-L-S Gypsies, which is G-I-P-S-I-E-S-C-C, so for cricketclub.co.uk. And looking at the membership page, actually, how you become a member as well. I guess I qualify now that I live in in Gloucestershire and Cheltenham, but wonderful man, Chris Coley, steeped in the local area and a real history of, of cricket and what it meant to people, what how society was and how cricket fitted into that fabric of society. Uh, recommend checking that book out, Gloucestershire Gypsies, 100 Not Out, 1922 to 2022. The new year, almost upon, sounds surreal, doesn't it? Sounds like a futuristic Armageddon movie. Can't believe we're quite here but I guess I'm getting old. All the movies of my childhood were set in the future, which I think they've already have gone past this this date. Uh, but thank you for listening to the podcast. If you could rate it on iTunes, tell it a friend, rate it on whatever platform you're listening on, it would be much appreciated. Sport and Life Now across 12, um, 12 platforms. And also we've been nominated for award, Wellbeing Award. I know I have a, a variety of guests, but I've had a lot of doctors, trainers, nutritionists, etc., on the podcast and have been nominated by Cannabis Wellbeing Awards for 2021. They're mainly oriented around the medical medicinal benefits of, of cannabis, but it's an interesting magazine, um, the Cannabis Magazine, and uh, they have nominated the podcast Sport and Life. So if you go to 
cannabis and check out their nominations any votes would be appreciated uh, but thank you to them thank you to you for listening to the podcast thank you to the sponsor as ever bang Olufsen of cheltenham and serene av who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations bno underscore cheltenham on social media Just tell jason briggs hi if you listen to the podcast and then check out the store in montpellier in court in um, the courtyard there in the, this beautiful part of Cheltenham that I'm lucky to, to live very close to. And also, if you would like to optimize your immunity over the winter and would like to check out the supplements at cytoplan.co.uk, the 30% discount upfront, 10% thereafter, with the food-based supplement company that my father, Dr. Mark Draper, has worked as a consultant for for a number of years and is a keen um, taker of those supplements, then you can go to cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N, dot co dot uk and the discount code is draper 10 r d-r-a-p-e-r all capital letters numerals one zero and the capital letter r thank you for listening to the podcast appreciate it have a great rest of the week goodbye for now